0: is
1: for me I realize that my natural impulsive reactions in conversation is not building up its tearing down Now, I was raised to not think that that was a problem, but because of my faith in Jesus and life in his kingdom, I'm like, oh, this is a problem. So then you start this process of, Lord, I want to unlearn this way of talking so that I can let my words, as the Bible say, be full of grace, seasoned with salt.
0: We've all grown up the way we've grown up, right? The way we talk, the words we use, our view of the world, and how we look at things like work or school. Much of that is learned from our upbringing. We think it's all okay, or maybe most of it. But as Pastor Daniel is going to be teaching today, sometimes the way we do things bumps up against God's teachings in the Bible. It's at that moment that you have to make a choice. God's way, or your way? Well, let's join Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 23 as he begins his message, Life in Response.
1: If I said it once here, i said it a thousand times, that so much of life that we live is lived day by day, situation by situation, and really response by response. All of our lives contain not only situations that go on, but really our, our reactions to them, And if you think about most of our regrets in life, almost always we regret the way we reacted to something. One of the things that I always like to say, and if you've been around Crossroads at all, you've heard me say it many times, that really what God is interested in in our lives is what the Bible calls discipleship, which is us becoming people who are learning from Jesus. And I like to define discipleship as how God transforms our natural reactions to biblical responses, it's a subtle definition. Our natural reactions, you think about your reactions, they happen almost like an impulse. Something goes on, you react to it. But there's a difference between a reaction, which is impulsive, versus a response, which a response has an intentionality to it or a focus to it. We're saying, I actually want this type of life. And so my reactions, my natural impulses aren't what I want to do. There's something else that I want to do. There's a higher ideal that I'm working towards. I'll share something from my own life. And I always like to remind people that I get the pleasure of being in process in public. And because I'm so exceedingly flawed and Jesus's grace is so exceedingly good, I have lots of material for my own life. So I've said it many times, you know it, like I'm a kid from the New York metropolitan area. And so growing up in the New York metropolitan area, now I grew up in New Jersey, but my whole family is from New York and my parents were the first ones to move to New Jersey because they couldn't buy a place in New York when they found out they're having twins, they couldn't afford. So they moved out to the sticks of New Jersey, but the New York metro area is a big area and New Yorkers are known for their truthful communications, <laughs> Right? They're big mouths, right? And so I was nurtured in an environment where there was a lot of quick back and forth conversations. And normally they were pretty aggressive or kind of uh, biting. I remember growing up, I had a friend who worked for Campus Crusade for years, and he did the New Jersey Crew. And they used to go to their national conferences, and they would wear shirts that say, New Jersey Crew, where the weak are killed and eaten. And people would sign up to go to be a campus minister through Campus Crusade, and literally people would like, you can send me anywhere, just don't send me to New Jersey. And so really growing up, the way we learned how to communicate was people would, like if they liked you, they'd pick on you, because sarcasm was a love language, which it really isn't, but that's the way it was. And if they knew that you had a weakness, they would kind of exploit that weakness until you didn't show weakness anymore. So you can imagine little Danny Fusco, just like a young dude. Everything was like hopping the ball. And I'll never forget when I started walking with Jesus and I moved out of the New York metropolitan area, I realized that everybody wasn't like that. And I remember when I started really growing in my faith, I was at a church with my pastor, John Henry Corcoran. And I remember there was a situation that was going on and me and one of the elders was kind of like hopping the ball back and forth. And it was very quick. And John Henry was just standing there. And then after it was over, he's like, Daniel. And he's from Ireland. He's like Daniel, my brother, you are older than me. No, that's that's actually, that's Elton John lyrics anyway. But he was just, he's like, Daniel, he's like, you are very quick witted. You can hop the ball. He's like, but I'm pretty sure that's going to get you in trouble. And I remember just thinking to myself, I'm like, is that going to get me in trouble? And then I realized that actually I've been in trouble for this my whole life. But sometimes, especially when somebody says something to you that is almost like diminishing or demeaning towards you, or is meant to kind of put you in your place, that kind of New York kind of, oh yeah, you know, like, like well, let me, let's, you want to talk about me, let's talk about you. And what happens so fast that what I realized is that without even thinking, my natural reactions in conversation would to be like, oh, this time. You know, it's like, I remember when I saw on the bumper sticker, there was a Gandhi quote that an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. It sounds like good wisdom, except it's actually in the Bible so that people don't escalate. And I'm like, oh, I know the art of escalation. You know, you say something mean to me, I'll talk about your whole family. Like, You know, like, and not that it's right. I was just nurtured that way. And when I really started walking with Jesus and my pastor's kind of challenge, I realized I'm like, oh, wait, what I want to do naturally actually isn't godly. It's not holy. It doesn't honor God or people. And then you start that process of like unlearning. Now, if I add on to that, my beloved bride, Lynn, who I love so much, when Lynn and I got together, Lynn is a words of affirmation person, which is a lethal combination when you have somebody who, if they love you, they make fun of you all the time. And I remember in the beginning of our marriage, I would just say things and I would be making jokes and her whole countenance would frown. And I was like, oh, I'm such an idiot. And so it begins this process where you realize, for me, I realized that my natural impulsive reactions in conversation is not building up, it's tearing down. Now, I was raised to not think that that was a problem, but because of my faith in Jesus and life in his kingdom, I'm like, oh, this is a problem. So then you start this process of, Lord, I wanna unlearn this way of talking so that I can let my words, as the Bible say, be full of grace, seasoned with salt. That by being the wittiest and the most cutting is actually not an ideal, but actually being the kind of person that when people leave my presence, they feel built up and not torn down. And that is how discipleship works. And for each one of us, we have whatever these things are in our lives where growing in discipleship is saying, Lord, this is what I would do impulsively, naturally, but now that my goal is to glorify you and to be a blessing to people, the way that I would do it naturally isn't the best way, so I want to learn a new way to do things. And God starts to transform, sometimes immediately, miraculously, and other times over the long, hard journey of discipleship, you start to learn how to say, I want this reaction to become a response that glorifies you. So if you ever notice, if we're ever standing there in the family room and someone says something that's mean to me, normally I'll just kind of smile and I'll look like this. And I do that so I just don't open my mouth. And like I have to think about it for a second. So if you catch me doing it, just pray for me, just you know. <laughs> but like that's my journey. But all of life is a life in response. To how do we respond to our environment? How do we react to our environment? But as we walk as followers of Jesus, this life in response becomes how do I simply respond to Jesus? How do I live in such a way that my life takes on the qualities of what does it mean to be a child of God? And in some ways our series in Psalm 23 has been all about this. And so many of you have been talking to me and say, Pastor, I love that we're doing Psalm 23. I love that we've taken a slow journey through it to kind of soak in it. And so today is gonna be our last message in this wild series in Psalm 23. And I think it's so important for all of us. You know, our Bibles are amazing from Genesis to Revelation, the word of God is deep. There's so much in it, but there should be areas in the Bible that we really say, these are anchor points for my faith. Like the Sermon on the Mount, it's all an anchor, but like you can't spend all of your time in all of it. Does that make sense? And so for me, I'm always looking for what are the anchor points that when all else fails, if I make sure I remember this, it's going to help me things like the Sermon on the Mount, things like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter five. There's all these different passages. You think about scriptures like, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. Like these are anchor points. And I really want for us to let Psalm 23 to be an anchor point because it teaches us so much about what life is supposed to be in the kingdom, in Christ as we're led by the Spirit. So everyone, open up your Bibles to Psalm 23. I'm actually going to take the whole Psalm as one big thing. So open up your Bibles, Psalm 23. I want you to open it. We're going to read it together in a second. But I do want you to keep it open because I'm going to be kind of referencing all these different verses here in Psalm 23. And so we have been having fun reading it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. in the house of the Lord forever. So as we've walked through Psalm 23, slowly, verse by verse, concept by concept, I just wanted to kind of zoom out and kind of give you just three big ideas, taking the whole thing from like 30,000 feet. And the first thing is this, not only in the Psalm, but in life, it always starts with the Lord and what he does. You'll notice that in every stanza of Psalm 23, it starts with, this is who the Lord is, and this is what the Lord is doing. So it begins with the Lord. Things like in verse one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. In verse two, he makes me to lie down he leads me beside the still waters. Verse three, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse four, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they're the ones that bring me comfort. Verse five, you prepare a table before me. See, everything in our lives is initiated by God. Now, here's what I want to tell you. This alone is the battleground of Christianity in contemporary culture, not just Western culture. Because our culture tells us, you get to do it your way. You do your spirituality, you do your politics, you do your ethics, you do your vocation, you just do your thing. And the Bible has the audacity to say, actually, no, God initiates all of it and God invites us into all of it. I always tell people the Bible is controversial from the very first verse when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Because it's saying all of this exists by God and for God and because of God. And I'm here to tell you that your life is not yours to live how you like. Your life is meant to be lived in response to who the Lord is and what he's doing. And I'm here to tell you in each one of our lives on the journey of life, this is where the trouble exists. Because God is saying, listen, there's things that I want to do. There's changes that I want to make. There's transformation that I want to birth in your life. There are things that you have always done, your natural reactions, that I actually want to transform into biblical responses. Just because you were raised that way or you feel comfortable that way is not God's highest desire. He's saying, listen, it starts with me and what I'm doing. And for all of us, we have to learn how to trust that God is God and we are not. That God has a plan, that God has a will, and God is inviting us into that. But for all of us, what's hard is we feel comfortable with what we know, want, and understand. And what I love so much about the scriptures is the scriptures don't pretend like we're not human, doesn't pretend like it doesn't understand how we kind of roll through things. All through your Bible, every biblical account and story of what goes on almost always involves people and what they want and then what God is doing. And we often see people resisting what God is doing, people not liking what God is doing, taking a long time to get on board with what God is doing, and Oftentimes, by the time you get to the end of whatever the story or the account is, you find that at best, people realize that God is good and God knows what he's doing. And the same is true for all of our lives. The same is true for all the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So we have to learn how to remember that God is the initiator. God is the sustainer. God's purposes and plans are going to come to pass whether we are willing participants or not. And so all through the scriptures, it starts with who the Lord is and what he's up to. Scholars call this being Christocentric. Look at your neighbor and say Christocentric. That's a good biblical word. I'll get you a bunch of points on words with friends or Scrabble. The idea is that Jesus gets to be the center It was the writer and theologian, A.W. Tozer. I'm going to paraphrase him. It's not an exact quote. But he said, I'll never forget when I read He said that in the heart of every believer, there is a cross and a throne. And for most people, they keep Jesus on the cross so they can sit on the throne. But for the truly mature believer, they take the cross so Jesus can have his rightful throne. It's a very powerful concept. It's about who sits as preeminent in your heart and your soul. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You might be like, well, listen, right now, Jesus is on the throne, and I am on the cross. But you know, later on today, you get cut off on the highway. You know, it's going to switch real quick, <laughs> right? And so I don't want to be, like, totalistic about it. I just realize that in the journey of life, the key is to let Jesus, as King of kings, take that rightful place on the throne of our hearts. And we are perpetually saying, and that's why Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross when? Daily. We do it one time unto salvation, and then we're constantly denying ourselves and taking up the cross over and over and over again through life unto sanctification, unto maturity and growth in Jesus. I mean, Jesus said this exact same thing in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40, which we commonly call the greatest commandment. It says, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, if you've been around crosses for a while, we call this what? Upward, inward, and outward, right? That it always begins with our relationship with God is first. And we love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, according to the apostle John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. God has initiated the relationship, and we respond, that life in response, we respond to God's love for us with returning love back to him. So it begins with God, so it's upward, this relationship with God, and then it's inward and outward because we love our neighbors, which is outward as what? As we love ourselves. Now, I know people say, oh well, no, the Bible doesn't say you should love yourself. I might just take it up with Jesus. It really, Jesus was quoting the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18. Love your neighbor as yourself. As you love yourself, treat others as you would want to be treated. See, the Bible doesn't teach that we don't love ourselves. The Bible teaches that unless we know the love of God, we will always love ourselves in the wrong ways. Because we will love ourselves primarily, self-centeredly. But when you love God, then you see yourself and you love yourself the way God does. And I always like to tell people that God's, the way we love ourselves as believers is through the lens of the cross. Because that's how God loves us, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we love ourselves in a cruciform shape. What does the cross teach us about ourselves? That we are flawed, that we are broken, that we are rebellious and sinful, and we're also deeply valuable to God and God desires to redeem us. As some scholars say, we are more... Treacherous and broken than we would ever admit. And we're also more loved than we can ever hope for. The cross teaches us that. But it all begins with who the Lord is and what he's doing. And in each one of our lives, at street level where you live, whether it's in your family, or whether it's on your job, whether it's in your school, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's in the circumstances that you find yourself in online or in real life, God is working and he's always inviting. And for each one of us, the key is, will I simply respond to Jesus or will I just react as I would naturally to the situations and be like, I wish I didn't do that stuff. I was just talking to someone about this so excited, and this was a bunch of months back, not someone here, so I'm not portraying anyone's confidences, but I was talking to someone who, who found themselves in the habit of every day after work having a couple drinks. And they realized, they're like, this is not good. It's just like I'm just, lo- like, I'm just, I can't wait for this. And they were talking about how they would come home, and it was like the thing that got them excited to go home was to drink, and how they had to kind of learn some new ways to embrace being home. And, and, and it's such a simple thing because even if you look at all, like, the, the science of how habits are formed, it's the same thing where it's, like, you have this cue and then you have this response to this cue. So like, so, like, let me give you an example. So, like, cue, somebody says something that seems to be a little bit biting to me and my response is, I'll make it worse. I'll say something bad about you. And then before you know it, the things, that was mine. In the same way, so it's, like, you come home and all you do is, like, man, all I, I, just, I just need a drink when I get home. No, you don't. You're just used to having one. So instead of having a drink of alcohol, maybe you're just like, Hey man, I really love this, you know, coconut water. Or I really, I really love sparkling water. Or you know what? Actually, when I get home, I eat one piece of delicious chocolate. See, like you can insert anything as the reward for getting through your work day. <laughs> And so much of what God is doing in all of us is he's saying, listen, I know you could do it this way, but actually there's a more excellent way. There's a better way. There's a way that's less destructive. There's a way that actually embraces more and more of what I'm trying to do in your life. And for all of us, we're being invited into it. So it always begins with who the Lord is and what he's doing. But then from there, what we also learn here in Psalm 23, is it is important that you and I don't forget all of God's benefits. Like, God's benefit package is extraordinary. And Psalm 23 gives us a whole list of the benefits that come from walking with the Lord and knowing God. Now, I'm gonna say this up front. The ultimate benefit is not the things he does for us. It's his very presence and his character, okay? So, so God, the personality of God, the Godhoodness of God, God's personhood is more than enough. Like, you will not meet a kinder, more loving, more amazing, more generous, more forgiving person than God. Plain and simple.
0: Jesus is real. As Pastor Daniel led us through more of Psalm 23 today, we found out more of the things that God does as our shepherd. Hopefully you're understanding more of just how much God wants to be tender toward you when he corrects you, even though it isn't pleasant. You got a better idea today of his presence all of the time, even when times get tough and it feels like God just isn't near at all. He's standing right beside you. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're
1: a listener of Jesus' is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' is Real Radio at 360 256 4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com.
0: Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will be giving a kind of cost-benefit analysis between living life on your own terms and living life God's way. As he concludes his teaching, Life in Response, you'll find out more about learning to let God put aside the things in your life that don't please him, while at the same time picking up characteristics that more closely resemble Jesus. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Wild. Next time. Until then, may God bless.